Welcome brothers and sisters to another video. I'm so glad y'all are here with me today. It's going to be very, very interesting and I think you're just, it's going to blow your mind what we're going to be talking about. But before I go into that, I wanted to say real quick a special thank you to Barbara Clark. Thank you Barbara for your message. I learned a valuable lesson not to go and read comments and respond to them when I've just dropped a video and I'm exhausted. <laughs> this last video, I tried to go through the comments and start, you know, messaging back on them. And one of the comments said, September 23rd was when the tribute, was when um, tribulation started and I, my mind always tired. I thought it said September 23rd was when our warning for tribulation starting. And so I was like, yeah, that's what I clearly said in the video. Barbara, if you had not messaged and said, hey, tribulation hasn't started yet, JX, I was like, I wouldn't have gone back and re-read the comment from the person above and answered it accordingly. Yes, tribulations has not begun. It, it hasn't. I know there's some people out there trying to say they have, trying to make all this content, you know, get everybody's attention. But no, we, we are going, well, we won't be here for when tribulation starts, first of all. But there's a lot that's going to happen. You know, the Antichrist is going to reveal himself. The covenant of many, and that surrounds Israel. The covenant of many is about Israel. And, and then, of course, by the time the fourth seal happens, the, the four horsemen are coming in. Uh, One-fourth of the world is dead. Come on. One-fourth of all the trees, the grass, everything. It's going to be really bad. I'm sorry. We are, in, we are in the times of sorrows before the tribulation starts. And there's six months. Six months between the time tribulation starts and the rapture of the church. And so another thing I wanted to point out. And I'm sure some of y'all have noticed it. There's some watchmen out there that are doing some videos that are not right and not very good. They've got me a little concerned. I'll put it that way. Okay? Look, the rapture is about the bride. The bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And I'm sorry, but God is not going to ever ever be using the symbol of Baphomet, the symbol of Satan, for anything, anything, especially to mark the wedding of his bride. I mean, that's really, really bad. Then you've got some, another one out there that, you know, look, and I don't have anything against these watchmen, but using things like when coronavirus started in Obama and death and then another one referenced in the constellation from the Phoenix the Phoenix isn't even mentioned in the Bible in Scripture now there is a Roman Catholic priest that at one point in the Bible tried to exchange the word sand the Hebrew word for sand for Phoenix but the, no that's was incorrect the Phoenix is not mentioned anywhere in Scripture and it does not correlate in any way with any any scripture we has 
have therefore it does not correlate anything specific with the with the Maserat. It does not. Especially our timeline. We have to be able to use scripture that corresponds with what's going on in the heavens directly. Okay? That that's very, very important. Another thing I'm going to say, I've got a few comments on some people saying that they don't understand the constellations that well. And I'm sorry, I'm going to apologize because I, I get so excited and I just start rambling stuff off and I forget to explain in more detail. So I'm going to start doing that. I've got a lot of other stuff to show y'all on the constellations, but I'm not going to show it in this video. Um, so I will elaborate and show some scripture. I won't show all of it so it's not so long, but I'll show at least one or two verses from now on and explain things a little bit better. So I apologize to all of y'all who don't understand the constellations as well so that you will have an understanding and you will see how significant it is because I know there's a lot that don't. But as you'll see with me in my videos, I'm never just looking at the constellations or just looking at scripture that lines up with the constellations. I'm using it all. I'm using the Bible, the Hebrew, and the Maseroth as well. And that's how we find where we are going to have our rapture and where our other dates are. Okay? So, with that said, today it's really interesting. I'm telling y'all, God has been putting, I feel like he's been putting all of this in front of me. And I think this is going to blow your socks off. Seriously, blow your socks off. So let's get into it. Okay, let me ask y'all one thing as my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Some of this stuff in the beginning might seem a little bit odd to you or not make sense. And you're like, what? What? What, what is she talking about? Please do me one favor and listen to all of it until I get to finish. Because by the end, I promise you, it's going to make sense to you too. Because some of these things I was seeing did not make sense to me at first. And then as I kept reading and understanding and finding things, you know, in the Bible that I really didn't know before, it completely makes sense. And to some of y'all, it might make perfect sense because y'all might know the scriptures that well. But there's some things that I was like, what? How does this make sense? Until I had to go dig and <laughs> then I realized it. So please... Please wait until I show it all to you. Present all the evidence before you make up your mind, okay? Thank you. I appreciate you all for doing this. Okay, first thing I'm going to start off telling everybody is that whenever I feel like the Lord puts things in front of me, it's, you know, or shows me stuff, it's not like, you know, it's just in my head and I feel like I get an opinion and I think, oh, that must be from God or the Holy Spirit. No, it's not like that. Well, what happens in my case is I'll be looking at something or reading about something and then, you know, on whatever I'm looking through the internet or wherever I'm looking through my Bible, something will come up that's completely has nothing to do with what I'm looking for. And I will read it and be like, oh my goodness, that that fits this or that fits that and it's just, it's just this aha moment of wow wow and that's been happening to me a lot just like the past two weeks and so i really really feel like the lord showed me this stuff 
So we know that the two people who were ever raptured were Enoch and Elisha. And we know that Enoch was very, very devout. And he walked with God all the days of his life. And then he was taken. He was raptured. So the other one is Elijah. And we've seen a lot of different people talk about, you know, why was Elijah, you know, raptured? Why was he taken up? You know, granted, yes, he was a great prophet. But there were many, many in the Bible that were more devout, more better than him, you know. So right here it says, It is worth noting that Enoch is commended in Hebrews 11.5 for his great faith. Now while Elijah seems to have doubted God's protection after Mount Carmel, that doesn't necessarily mean that he didn't have great faith. Well, we know that, right? He, considered, he continued to serve God well after that. And passed on his learning to Elisha. Or I think that's it. Elisha. The high esteem in which the Jews of later centuries held Elisha. Is evident from the popular expectation. Based on the prediction of Malachi 4 and 5, 6. That the prophet would return to earth to herald the imminent appearance of the Messiah. See Matthew 17, 10-12 for that. Jesus identified the ministry of John the Baptist with that predicted by Malachi, chapter eleven fourteen, having already declared that there was none greater than John. So, far as is known, Elijah was the only person except Enoch ever honored by translation to heaven without seeing death. He was also chosen to accompany Moses, the great lawgiver, at the transfiguration of Christ. So, you know, a lot of people have kind of theorized that because Enoch and Elijah never saw death, that they'll be the two witnesses. And then there, of course, are those that believe that it is going to be Moses and Elijah because they were with Jesus at the transfiguration with Christ. And, you know, it doesn't matter really kind of which one you're on or not. What we need to kind of be focusing on in here right now is there's another reason why these two were raptured. And it directly, directly correlates with the raptures of that are coming up of the church body and of, of the church, of the bride, and of the saints. And I'm going to sit here and show y'all what the Lord showed me and then you're going to see it too. So what we can see from right here is that Jesus said that there was none better than John. And John wasn't raptured, so we know there's a specific reason, a deep reason, that it was Elijah. And I really, really feel like this is why, and I'm going to show it to you, and y'all are just going to be amazed because it fits so well. And I know there's been so much back and forth about, you know, there's pre-trib rapture, no, there's mid-trib, no, there's post-trib. And this is going to clear it up and it's going to prove, which I know a lot of y'all don't need the proof, but it's always good to have that proof that there is a pre-trib rapture. 
and it's coming soon. Okay, so first we're going to go over Enoch. Enoch did not keep silent about sin around him. Jude says Enoch prophesied about these evil people. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them of all the ungodly acts they have committed in their ungodliness and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. According, according to Genesis 5.23, Enoch's life span was 365 years. Throughout those years, he walked in faith, and that made all the difference. No matter what happened, he trusted God, and he obeyed God, and he loved God. Okay, so looking at this right here, the first thing that caught me to where I got that whoa moment was that he lived 365 years before God took him, before God raptured him. And that correlates exactly with the Gentile calendar. Our calendar has changed. God's calendar is 360 years. And now, right now, ours is 365. And we know that God's going to change the calendar back to his calendar. But right now, this is the first thing that really, really big points to this being the time of the Gentiles is the 365. Definitely no coincidence. Enoch walked with God. Enoch was born seven generations from Adam, so he was an approximate contemporary with Lamech of Cain's line. Only a short sentence. Enoch walked faithfully with God in Genesis 5.22 and repeated in Genesis 5.24 reveals why he was so special to his creator. In this wicked period before the flood, most men did not walk faithfully with God. They walked their own path, the crooked way of sin. So, now look, we're seeing this. Now, this is a, a, still a ways before the flood. And this is when people are really, really sinning, okay? And this is when we see that Enoch, he, he walked faithfully with God. And he was not afraid to tell people, you know, you, you need to quit sinning. You need to turn to God. You need to repent and turn from your evil ways. So, Enoch was raptured 669 years before the Great Flood. Scholars often point to his disappearance as a type of the rapture because Jesus said the time of his coming would be like in the days of Noah. So what's interesting about this is that 669 years before the Flood. And where are we now? The 69th, 69th week. We are waiting for Daniel's 70th week. We're waiting for the tribulation to begin. So you see this absolutely correlates again with Enoch being a pre-trip. God showing us that right now. Okay, so looking at this, look at this right here. This is what shows when Enoch was born. Okay, this is, this is the, the birth year that we have for them. 
So the 622. And then we see that Noah was born on 1056. So we know that Enoch, he was raptured at 365 years. So if we take the 365 and we add it to the 622, we come out to 987. So what we can see from there is that Enoch was not around during the time of Noah. The rapture had happened before the days of Noah. And I, you know, that, that right there is huge. Okay, so here's something else I did. So I took the 987 and I subtracted it from the 1056 and this is what came up. 69. Again, we are in the 69th week. These are not coincidences. I mean, this, I think, verifies it. Enoch represents the pre-trib rapture. He was the first rapture. And you're seeing all these things lining up. Okay, so let me be clear. You know, we still are getting our seven-day warning, or better yet, our seven-year warning, just like Noah did before God's wrath came down. We're, we've gotten that, okay? But just as we see like in Matthew 24, 37, it says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, see, that is when Jesus' second coming ends. And we know that his second coming is at the end of tribulations. So, during tribulations is when things are really, really bad. That's when all wickedness is going to be upon the earth. And it's just going to be complete lawlessness. Okay? That's what it was like during the days of Noah. That's when it was really, really bad. And that's what the tribulation is. That period. And then Jesus comes. That's when the coming of the Son of Man will be. So, we can see that because Enoch was raptured before, it was still wickedness on the earth. But it wasn't as bad quite yet as it was right before in the days of Noah. That's when it got really, really horrible for everybody. And again, you know, I, I know a lot of people attributed this verse to being, you know, before, like before tribulations, but it, it's not. It, it's showing the time of uh, Daniel's 70th week, the time of trouble. And so, again, this absolutely, to me, shows Enoch is our pre-trip rapture. And now we're going to go into Elijah. Okay, sorry, this just happened real time while I'm sitting here making this video. God showed me something else. Okay, so you know how I was just talking about um, when Enoch was born, what year, and then we added the 365. So we know what year that he actually was raptured, and the year was 987. So all of a sudden, I got this feeling being compelled to look up the Strong's Concordance on it, and this is what I got. 987, the meaning 
is security and safety. What, what are the odds? Really? What are the odds of that? And then, of course, I need to show this. Hebrews 11.5 By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he did not see death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. So, again, as here, as we see, it was by faith. And right now, as we know, we have to have faith. It is by our faith, our faith in Jesus Christ, that we walk with him, we believe in him. And this is how that we are saved, right? This is how we are going to rap be raptured and make it into heaven. I mean, this is crazy. I'm telling y'all, stuff just keeps coming in and coming in. I've been praying and praying and praying. And God has been answering me so much. And I'm going to show y'all something at the end as well that I know God gave me to show me confirmation. And I kind of went back and forth on whether I should share this or not. And I prayed about it. And I think God absolutely wants me to share it with y'all. But he gave me a major confirmation of things. So I'm going to show that to you after I show you Elijah. So... Unless he sends me something else here real quick. We're going on to Elijah. Alright. Okay. Before Elijah actually arrives in Israel. God sends a drought. As he is so displeased with the people. Elijah had been residing out in the desert. Where there was a river with drinking water. And God had sent ravens to bring him food. Eventually, the river also dries up and God instructs Elijah to go to the home of a widow who will provide him with food. When Elijah comes to the town of Zarephath, he sees the widow and asks her to get him some water and bread. She replies that she only has a small amount of flour and oil and is collecting sticks so she can cook this last portion of bread as the last meal for her son and herself. Elijah assures her that God will not allow their food to diminish until the rain returns. The widow trusts in Elijah and their food lasted until it rained again. Sometime later, the widow's son became ill and passed away. The widow was very troubled, believing that Elijah was the reason for this tragedy. Though Elijah was blamed by the widow, he attempted to bring the boy back to life by praying to God. In a miraculous event, God heard Elijah and answered his prayers and brought the boy back to life. When Elijah returned the boy to his mother, the woman could recognize that Elijah was a man of God and was amazed. Okay, now this with Elijah is a little bit more difficult for me to put in a straight timeline. So y'all bear with me because there's a lot of different parts everywhere. But what you're going to see is you're going to see this correlates so much with the tribulation. So, okay, so the first thing that that was just kind of going over was whenever we first kind of see Elijah in the Bible. So, uh, kind of going over it again with a little bit different here, just so I'm clear on things. After speaking out against Ahab, Elijah, he spent seven years in hiding. Much of it was staying with a widow and her son, as we just read. And it was in the town Zavarah. 
Zarephath. <laughs> I think I'm pronouncing it right. Okay. During this period. So the, the first thing I want to point out real quick is. So I went and looked up. What um, Zarephath means in the Hebrew. And the meaning is to blast furnace. Workshop for smelting and refining metals. And as we all know, that's what's happening in tribulations. People are going to be purified and refined in the fire as in precious gold and metals. The, the Bible tells us that about tribulations. So, okay, that's really interesting right there. Now, the next thing is, besides it being seven years, there was a seven-year drought. Now, during this period, the widow's son died of an illness, and Elijah prayed for the boy to come back to life. Now, after Elijah prayed and touched the boy three times, he came back to life. Okay, so first of all, we know this kind of cor this absolutely correlates, not kind of, it does, with Jesus and his resurrection after three days. But the other thing that's interesting, if you saw my rapture video, if you haven't, you should go see it. Okay, so Adam and Eve were created on the first Feast of Trumpets. Now, Jesus was born on the second Feast of Trumpets. That would be the second one. Now, when Jesus comes back, his, his second coming... That's going to land on the Feast of Trumpets. So that also correlates because it's three times. And then when Jesus returns, he's going to, you know, get rid of all sin, all bad, and bring life, life back into everyone and everything and reign for, a, a, you know, a thousand years on earth. So we also see a correlation with that as well here. And I've got a lot more for y'all. So y'all stay with me because I'm going to let y'all know where where this is going and what this means. So don't, don't get confused on me yet, okay? Keep staying with me. Okay, now I'm going to read this part to you. When Ahab began his reign, a little more than half a century had passed since the death of Solomon and the division of the kingdom. Since which time Israel, the northern kingdom, had rapidly lapsed into apostasy. But Ahab did evil in the sight of the Lord, above all that were before him, in that he married Jezebel, daughter of a Phoenician king, and adopted her religion, thus becoming a worshipper of Baal. Not only so, but he erected a temple to Baal in Samaria. And thus Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Such were the conditions when the Lord commissioned Elijah to visit Ahab at the court and announce a severe drought of unspecified duration of remedial punishment. And as we know now, that was seven years. <laughs> so just right here, just in this this passage right here, or this part of different passages. It's a bunch of collections of them. But we can already see, again, look how many correlations there are to the time of tribulation. And there's even more I'm going to show you. After seven years of drought, Elijah had King Ahab bring the 450 priests of Baal and 400 priests of 
Asherah to Mount Carmel. There he issued a challenge, build an altar and see which god set it on fire. After many hours of the pagan priests trying to get a response from Baal, Elijah built his altar. To think, make, make things more interesting, Elijah covered his altar with water after he built it. After praying to God, fire came down from heaven and lit Elijah's water, even making the water burn. To top that off, Elijah had all the priests of Baal killed. After Elijah had shown God's power in Mount Carmel and killed all the prophets of Baal, Ahab's wife Jezebel planned to have him killed. Elijah fled to the wilderness, prayed for his death. He actually wound up going to a cave in the wilderness. And an angel, angel appeared multiple times and gave him food. Ultimately, Elijah reached Mount Horeb and God spoke to him, giving him new tasks and generally making it clear that he wasn't finished with Elijah yet. So of course what's very interesting here is he fled to the wilderness, he was taken care of, and he was also at a cave. Okay, so one other thing I want to point out here real quick is when Elijah was in the cave. Now he heard a great wind that came by, tore by the mountains, and it broke the rocks into pieces. And it says, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was the fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And then after the fire, a still small voice. So after that, the Lord told Elijah to return to the wilderness of Damascus. So we can see as well how all of this correlates to tribulation as well. Because we see in Revelation 6, 15, 17, everyone hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. This included the kings of the earth, the princes and the generals. It included rich people and powerful people. It also included everyone else, both slaves and people who were free. They called out to the mountains and rocks, fall on us, hide on us from the face of the one who sits on the throne. Hide us from the anger of the Lamb. The great day of their anger has come. Who can live through it? So we're seeing a whole lot of parallels with the tribulation. And we're still not done. There's still more. I'm trying to get through as quick as I can. I promise. But there's still more. And this is amazing. Okay. So after all of that. Despite having gone through a national drought. For disobeying God. And seeing God's power in a dramatic way. On Mount Carmel. Or Carmel. Ahab apparently didn't learn to behave any better. After those events, Ahab tried to get a neighbor, Nabah, to sell him a vineyard to use as a vegetable garden. When Naboth didn't take Ahab's offer, Jezebel had him killed, and Ahab took over the vineyard. Elijah came and condemned Ahab, prophesying his death and the destruction of his family line. Okay. So here now we have two different correlations with tribulations. So in Revelations 19.2 we see, For true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot 
who corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. And the other correlation that we have is on the vineyard, or the vineyard. And we actually have several verses that correlate through this, and I'll go through them very quickly. John 15, 1-17 I am the true vine, and the Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me also as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches, but if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear, for if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell, severity but toward you, goodness if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will those who are natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? So see, we can see two more correlations with this verse right here. Okay, and then I've got one more that's going to show a, really quite, quite a bit of the correlation. And of course, we realize that this verse about being grafted in is going to apply to the Jews. It's talking about the Jews as well right here as the Gentiles. But we know that the Jews are the root of David. And at the end of tribulations, one third of them will have turned to come and know that Jesus is the Messiah. And that's where it's referring to them being grafted in again. Okay, now this one's really, really interesting. You're going to like it. Okay, so this is calling down fire on the soldiers. And what happened was when Abab was succeeded by Ahaziah, Elijah used an intermediary to condemn Ahaziah's seeking pagan gods for advice about whether he would survive an illness. Now, in response... Ahazah sent 50 troops to collect Elijah, who called down fire from heaven, and he killed them. So then another set of 50 troops were sent, and Elijah called down fire from heaven again. When the third set of troops arrived, the captain begged Elijah for mercy. Elijah sought God's advice and went with the troops, meeting Ahijah on his deathbed. 
Elijah repeated the message that he had given through the inter I'm sorry, I'm tired. Intermediary, and Ahiza died shortly afterwards as punishment for not trusting God. Okay, so what's really interesting about this is two thirds of them died. Two thirds of all the troops that were sent. So we can look at Zechariah 13:8, and it says, "And it shall come to pass in all the land," says the Lord that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die, but one-third shall be left in it. So, and, you know, as we know in tribulations, by the end, <laughs> there's only going to be one-third left of every everybody. So, this absolutely correlates with the tribulation. So, then at the very last, it says, Then a chariot of fire pulled by fiery horses appeared, coming between Elijah and Elisha. Elisha went up in the chariot in a whirlwind, and Elisha yelled, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. So, of course, then we can turn and we can go to Revelations where it says, now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress, and the fierceness, and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe, and on his thigh, a name written, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. Okay, so we can clearly see now that Elijah corresponds with the end time tribulation rapture and what it is is it's going to be in Revelation 14 and I'm going to go over and read it for you. And this is the rapture of the saints. Okay, Revelation 14.12 says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come, for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Then another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, who had power over fire. And he cried with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, 
Dressed in your sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city, and blood came out of the winepress up to the horses' bridles for 1,600 furlongs. So if we really take a look at this, look at Revelation 6:11. It says, "A white robe was given to each of them, martyrs. They were told to rest a little longer until the full number of their brothers, their fellow servants of Jesus, who were to be martyred, had joined them." So then if we go back and let's go back over this real quick on Revelation 14 so we can really see the correlation here. So it says, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one set like unto the Son of Man having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest is of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. So we can see that this is after, the end of tribulations. This is when Jesus comes back on a cl- on the cloud, and that is when he's going to do another harvest. So y'all see, you can absolutely see the correlation between these two things. Okay, I know it's a lot, so let's just do a quick recap of some of the things. So with Enoch, he was 365 years old whenever he was raptured. We know that correlates with the Gentile calendar of 365 days in a year. He was taken 669 years before the flood. That correlates with the 69th week that we're in now. It was 987 years after Adam and Eve were created. So that correlates with security and safety. He walked by faith. He was taken, he was raptured before God's wrath. And this all correlates to the pre-trib rapture. Now with Elijah, there's a whole lot we went over. But we'll just go over a few. So the seven-year famine. Zarephath, or however it's pronounced, (laughs) means refined by fire. He fleed to the wilderness for a time where he was provided for and taken care of. Jezebel was trying to have him killed and had others killed. Two-thirds of the battalions died that tried to come after him, and he sent fire down upon them and destroyed them. And of course, at the end, he was taken up to heaven through a chariot and horses. And of course, we know the very end of tribulations, Jesus and all the saints on all of us are going to be coming back with him riding on horses. 
These are just some of the things that we can see that Elijah absolutely correlates to the time of tribulation. Okay, so I hope it's clear to everybody kind of what I've been doing, especially while I was going through Elijah. A lot of times when I was reading about things, I was throwing in verses that correlate or are part of tribulation. And instead of sitting here just trying to read every single scripture that goes with at what we know as tribulation, I just posted up the relevant verse of tribulation that corresponded with what we were going over specifically with Elijah in his time. So if you didn't catch that, be sure and go back and look at it and then you'll understand. So, I don't know if any of y'all have really watched, I'm sure a lot of y'all have, our brother in Christ, Wayne, over at We Are The Overcomers. And in quite a few of his videos, he's been talking about that there are three harvests. And I never really understood for sure what he was talking about until I feel like the Lord put this in front of me. So he's absolutely right. So there's going to be the pre-trip rapture and that's for the bride. And then as we know, the two witnesses, yes, they will be killed, but then they, God will re resurrect them. They will be alive again and then they too will be raptured into heaven. And then we see towards the very end of tribulation when Jesus comes back on a cloud, he's going to rapture the saints. And so there's absolutely going to be three, which... I mean, explains why, you know, so many people see it at the beginning, so many people see it at the middle, and so many people see it at the end. And I hope I have done a very good job showing this to y'all, and y'all see this clearly. This video has taken me a lot of work and a lot of time, and I'm sorry for the sniffles constantly. I hope I'm not driving any of y'all nutty. My allergies have been absolutely killing me. Alright, so with all of that said, I told y'all that whenever I was going through this, that God verified something to me and I was going to share it with y'all. So I'm going to do that now. So when I thought, saw the 365, I decided to go look at the strongest concordance on that. And honestly, the only two things I've looked at Strong's Concordance on was the 365 and the 987. I haven't looked at any other numbers or anything for it. Those are the only two I felt compelled to go look. So whenever I went and looked it up, it says, I renew, I renew myself, I am renewed. But what is very interesting and what was confirmation to me, because I told y'all that I've been praying and praying for a very long time asking for wisdom asking for god to please you know give me clarity show me show me these things and what they mean and on this i did not realize this was even a thing but so what it says is that God can bring continuous offer of new strides in our sanctification through a sanctified reasoning, raising the meaning up to new levels of spiritual comprehension and reality. So I didn't realize that. I didn't know that we could be sanctified in this way where we could have higher levels of spiritual comprehension 
in things like the word and that is amazing to me and that tells me that absolutely god has been answering my prayers and i know this isn't just you know there's no coincidences with god and you know this isn't just me just being hopeful which of course i am very 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 hopeful but i know i know the lord has been putting this in front of me because there's no way i would have ever come up with any of this any of this on my own not in a million years nor was it was something i was even looking for i was looking for something else completely different on the rapture and i had no idea that enoch and elijah you know had anything to do with our rapture i never would have dreamed this in a million years okay so one more thing i want to read for y'all that i think is very important is with Elijah. Now, whenever he called the fire down from heaven to light up the altar that they doused in water to prove to all the people that Baal was not real and that there is only one true God and he was powerful. This is what he read. He read, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. So that was what his prayer was and it's a very, very powerful prayer. Now another thing that I want to point out is that with the Baal worship, which was pagan satanic worship. Now, a lot of people don't seem to understand this. Okay, but all the planets, all the wandering stars, right now, they are named after false deities, false pagan deities, Mars, Jupiter, all of them. Okay, so with ball worship, especially way back in, they, it wasn't named Mars then. It was just the red wandering star and they worshipped it. They worshipped it and it was absolutely satanic. It always has been. It's always been their false image of their false god. And so people tend to be looking a lot today. I see a lot of people on making videos on, you know, the constellations and stuff in relation to the rapture. And they're going off the names of these false pagan deities like Mars. And because Mars means war, they're saying that this is Michael. And that's absolutely not true. Anybody who's basing any of the wandering stars off of their names is completely wrong and completely missing the mark. That is, there's no reason to go off any of their names. They have always been identified by their size, shape, and location of where they are at certain times in the sky. Those have been their identifying markers. Now today we know them by these names and that's how we're able to talk about them with each other and people know what we're talking about. But whenever it goes to talking about scripture and how they relate and how they relate with the Maseroth and the Jewish calendar, that's based off thousands of years of knowing and understanding their location, okay? Not their names. And another thing I wanted to say real quick so I wasn't confusing whenever I was talking about earlier the Feast of Trumpets. 
I was talking about the very first Feast of Trumpets was when Adam and Eve, when their creation was. And then I was talking, when I'm talking about, I'm talking about three of them, I'm talking about fulfillments, real fulfillments. So that was the first one. Then Jesus' birth, which was in 2 BC, um, that would be in the second one. And I was not saying that... Uh, <laughs> on the very second face the trumpets Jesus was born that's not what I was saying I just want to clarify and that you know of course when Jesus returned that would be the third and final fulfillment of the feast of trumpets it, meaning that that kind of fulfillment but of course as we know Jesus himself fulfills it from his birthday and then his second coming Okay, and I also want to say thank you all very, very much for all of y'all who've been sharing my videos, who've been subscribing, who've been commenting, who've been leaving me likes. I appreciate y'all all very, very much. Y'all are helping me a great amount. And I hope and I pray that I can get another 800, 800 subscribers here very soon. Maybe within the next week or two would be wonderful. Because if I could just do this pretty much full time, if I could get monetized, that would be great. Because I have so many videos for y'all. And as y'all know, we only have a short amount of time here. And honestly, that's just one of my goals. It's been an uphill battle with BoobTube because, you know, that they're not ones to go and recommend any, any of us, I don't think. Any of us followers of Christ too much. They're not going to be pushing it. So, with y'all doing everything you're doing, I just thank you so much. Y'all will never know how much it means to me. I greatly appreciate y'all. I hope you're enjoying my videos. I really do. Now, if you haven't gone and looked at my playlist, um, if you're interested, I think there's some videos you will like uh, under the prophecies. And, but also under Divine Inspirations. Under Divine Inspirations, I've got two videos on the Nephilim. Because there's a lot of confusion on the Nephilim. And I break it down and I go through the Hebrew words. So if you want to, go look at that. And it watch the one on um, the Nephilim versus man. That would be the first one to watch. And then the follow-up to that one is the Rafa. The Rafa one. So you'll want to see that one second and that'll answer a lot of questions. And then also on the one about Noah and Canaan, watch that one first. And then if you still have any confusion with it, go to the one that talks about nakedness in the Bible. Now it's talking about the word nakedness. And that word is in the Bible a lot, but it does not always mean the same thing. So that's the second part of follow-up because there were some questions people had after that one. I really think I will like the videos. I spent a lot of time, y'all know, I go through and really, really get into detail on these things because I, I do a lot of research on them and I back it up and I make sure that I'm correct on these things before I just go do a video on it. So... Leave me a like, leave me a comment, please subscribe, and please continue to share my videos It's if y'all are liking them, which I think y'all are. And let me know if this was easy to understand. I have found a lot more stuff on the rapture, the coming rapture. So I've got some more videos to put out on that as well. 
So I'm going to be working on it next. And I will see you all in the very next video. Thank you all. And please remember to subscribe and follow me.